you've found the Rock Hesperia and are on your way to building a solid life. We make disciples here. If you, your children, or anyone comes to Jesus, hears his sayings, and does them, your life will become solid. So let's get to it. I'm starting this service differently than normal because my time spent with the Lord this week and my time spent with you on various phone calls and video calls and connections that I've made has all aligned to produce this same sense in me that I need to address with you. And really, it's that we need some comforting right now. And we need whatever certainty we can get at this time. So here's where we are as a church, as the rock, as this spiritual family that God has brought and knit together and is knitting together. Starting with the technical stuff. I'm going to reference my notes a lot here, so bear with me. Foursquare National Leadership continues to direct us to recognize and submit to state and local guidelines and directives regarding this pandemic. We are abiding by these directives because I do not perceive them as an attack on our Christian faith or an attack upon the church. This impacts Jewish Sabbath gatherings, it impacts uh, Islamic chants and Hindus and, and Baha'i, and no one's being singled out here. It impacts and affects us all. We, Christians, the rock, our church comprised of Jesus-loving, Holy Spirit-filled believers, are not being singled out. No one is hindering our church from worshiping God in word and in deed. Can I say that line again? No one is hindering our church from worshiping God fully in word and in deed. God is looking for surrendered souls. You know, it's, it's really easy to, to come to church sometimes and sing a few songs. It's more challenging to surrender, to sacrifice, and to serve. I interviewed a couple this week who are seeking to be certified house church leaders within The Rock. And they said that somebody recently asked them, are, are you a real Christian or are you one of the other ones? <laughs> I don't even know what to make of that. But they were a little taken aback and flabbergasted. But uh, whether it's your first time here, I, I should probably tell you, we are going to be real Christians here at The Rock. And so, I, I will tell you how things operate. I preach real. I don't put on some preachery voice to try to impress you or to look super cool. No, I just preach the Bible uncompromised so that you will know at all times what God is saying prophetically to you. You know, the Bible says without vision, the people perish. Another translation says without a vision, the people cast off restraint. Neither is good. And so this prophetic vision that the Lord brings us, I give to you uncompromised so you know exactly what God is saying. Even, frankly, if I'd prefer the scripture say something different. Come on, are you like me? Every once in a while you're like, really? <laughs> That's in there? Yes, it is. And so I tell you the truth no matter what it costs, what it costs me, what it costs you, because this is what God has for us to get his best plan lived out in each one of our lives. Amen. I sing to you, and not just because Shay enjoys it, although I appreciate that. That's nice. I sing to you. It's just who I am. Uh, my parables often come in movie references, so expect a lot of that. <laughs> I don't allow for any of us to easily not obey God. 
and his word. We don't pander, we don't patronize, and we don't drum up a bunch of hype. Jesus is enough, and his call on our lives is enough. I'll tell you what we do here. We build solid lives. We are called to be fruitful and multiply, and that the fruit that we bear shall remain forever, into eternity, into heaven, for countless people that we're ushering into the kingdom and the family of God. We exist to live out the great commandment, which is love God first and best, and love your neighbor exactly as well as you love yourself. And the great commission to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, teaching them to obey Jesus. And we can right now become the family that God has always wanted us to be. We can do that right now. Again, nothing is hindering us. I hope you're as excited about all this as I am. I have been really pumped to bring you this message this week and to even talk about this at the beginning of the message. Uh, This sounds like the church, doesn't it? And it doesn't sound like the church just that I'd like. It sounds like the church I read about in the Bible. The church that was getting results and transforming the world that was in chaos and darkness. I think we have that same kind of world right now, don't you? A world in chaos and darkness. And you are the light of the world, Jesus said. So let's start shining that light, pouring that new wine freely. Amen. Now about this pandemic. What are we going to do in this mess and all the havoc this this creating, right? Allow me to read you two powerful passages that spoke to my heart. The first is by N.T. Wright, called God and the Pandemic. It says, One of the overreaches of government in this has been to forbid pastoral ministry to those in hospitals and our nursing homes who are dying to have those last few moments of prayer, comfort, and assurance. We can worship from home. We can sing. We can give from home, minister at home. But we can't be Christ embodied when we can't be physically near someone nearing death. Since the first century, Christians have been known as those who ran to catastrophe, not away from it. Evangelism wasn't even a kind of program. People simply saw the love and the compassion, the value of all life demonstrated by Christians, and they wanted to know more about it. For the first 400 years of the church, none of the church fathers wrote a single line about evangelism. But the church was growing because of stuff just like this. Now here's an excerpt from a letter from Martin Luther in his Letters of Spiritual Counsel. He says, and I echo this, by the way, in my own thoughts and my own heart. With God's permission, the enemy has sent poison and deadly dung among us. And so... I will pray to God that he may be gracious and preserve us. Then I will fumigate to purify the air, give and take medicine, and avoid places and persons where I am not needed in order that I may not abuse myself and that through me others may not be infected and inflamed with the result that I become the cause of their death through my negligence." If God wishes to take me, he knows where to find me. At least I have done what he gave me to do and am responsible neither for my own death nor for the death of others. But if my neighbor needs me, I shall avoid neither person nor place, but feel free to visit and help him. 
this week, I had the privilege of praying with a family in our church, very dear to me and dear to many of us. Someone's been in the hospital and the doctors can do no more. They're at the end of their experience and their expertise, yet she wasn't yet home. And so I said, I believe God is hearing our prayers and wants her to be home with you. Why don't we pray and ask that right now? Because no matter what the communication has been, because it was not only she wasn't home, but they were having difficulty communicating with her, even in the hospital, because of the distancing. And I said, why don't we pray right now over the phone, and we're not here on speakerphone, right? Let's pray and ask God that he will get her home to be loved on by her family, ministered to, even if she's on her way to heaven, that if there's nothing else the doctors can do, at least she can be at home around her family. Doesn't this sound right to you? instead of away from everyone that she loves and who loves her and uh, you know all the rest. So we prayed and I said, listen, I expect the phone to ring or for them to answer your call immediately and this thing to be handled right away. So I said, don't be surprised if they call you as soon as I hang up. I found out the next day that she was home. Praise the Lord. See, we pray and we get answers here at The Rock. The Lord listens to his people, we're following him, and he has plans, great plans for all of us. And so this thing where, yeah, social distancing and all that, but as a family unit, we got to come together. And so she was brought home, hallelujah, everything is good. And now you know what your pastors are committed to. What I just read you, that's what we're committed to. Yes, we're going to follow the guidelines. Yes, we're going to obey the governing authorities. And we're also going to make sure that if someone needs us, we are on the spot, not only in prayer, but if we need to go visit somebody to accomplish pastoral ministry, you know, this is that leaves the 99 and goes after the one. This is the application and this is what you can depend on us for. I know it's not comfortable necessarily for all of us not meeting in our regular ways, meeting all at at one big church all together at one time. However, that's not the only way the Lord works. And it's not how he's intending to work in this moment. So if you'll let him, along with Pastor Jennifer and me, you will see great things, great deliverances, miracles from your hands and ours. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Now I feel like I can preach the word of God to you today. He has a word for you today that is specific. And so let's get our Bibles in our hands, shall we? And make this declaration as we do every week, posturing ourselves before God's holy, precious perfect word. Let's say these words together. This is my Bible. It is God speaking to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I open my heart today to hear God speak a word that will change my life forever. Amen. And as always in this series, we're going to be starting in Matthew 9. Well, not always, but at least for the past few weeks. Matthew 9, starting in verse 17, Jesus says, They don't put new wine into old wineskins, or else the wineskins break, the wine spills out, and both are ruined. No, they put new wine into new wineskins, and both are preserved. We're in the series called Made New. And this is the message, so where is this new wine? Would you turn to two places with me? Turn to Judges chapter 6 and John chapter 4. 
Judges 6 and John 4. In John chapter 4, you'll remember that Jesus found himself and his disciples at this well. And his disciples went into town to buy food. And he was there sitting down resting and probably waiting for this woman to come along. And there was a Samaritan woman who was drawing water from this well in the heat of the day, which was a strange time for her to draw water. But this woman had a past. And uh, maybe you're like me, you have a past as well, and, and you just assume everyone forget your past and just treat you like who you are now, right? <laughs> and so that wasn't necessarily the case for this woman, but I think Jesus is waiting for her, for a divine appointment. And this is the first time that he actually reveals his divinity outside of his disciples. And so this is an exciting time, and uh, look what happens as the disciples are on their way back to this well to find Jesus with the food. In verse 27 it says, And at this point, his disciples came, and they marveled that he talked with a woman. Yet no one said, no one said, what do you seek, or why are you talking with her? This word marveled in the Greek is pronounced thaumatso, thaumatso. And the disciples, I'm going to kind of pantomime this for you. Thaumatso, when they marveled, and, and they weren't asking these questions, but this is what was going on. They were like, That, that's marveling. That's thaumatso. That's what the disciples were doing with Jesus. Like, who? what is going on here? They're thinking to themselves. Because culturally, this wasn't a thing that was done, you realize. So, there's a quote that I wanted to read to you again. It says, Jesus himself was not held hostage to the sexism of his day. D.A. Carson on the commentary in the book of John says, And I would add to this, Jesus himself was not held hostage to the racism of the day either. See, not only was this a woman who culturally they distanced from, did not even necessarily greet out in open, but she was a Samaritan on top of that. And there were these cultural kind of racial divides between them, and it was just a big deal. Uh, any Harry Potter fans out there, you know, can think of like mudblood, all right? Uh, terrible, terrible. And so um, I know I just lost about half of you when I said Harry Potter. No, I'm, I'm a Christian. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, but Jesus himself was not held hostage to sexism or racism, and he broke through those barriers in this moment, and thank God that he did. See, they wouldn't say to him, well, what do they say? What do you seek? Or why are you talking to her? I think Jesus would look at us today and say, how is it that you're not talking to her? Right? Where, where's this new wine? Ha, have I not sent you with it? Have I not equipped you and given you everything you need? I've sent you to make disciples, to baptize folks, and to teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. Because I'm, I'm sure I said it. Yeah? Yeah, I said it. You know, Jesus must be thinking this, you know, for all of us, you know, his disciples included, including you and me, way back then, all the way to now. Have I not sent you? To speak to her? To speak to anyone? To love your neighbor? In our Bible study on Thursday, several of us guys meet together, and we discovered something interesting. Is that Jesus never got after people, you know, and it's like, man, why don't you start planting some seed and watering some more seed? Why don't you plant and water more? No, what he did was he got after him and he said, why aren't you reaping? 
You got to reap this seed. You got to bring in the harvest when it's harvest time. Because it seems like it's harvest time right now, and you're just interested in planting and watering more seed. That time is over right now. It, it's expired, so to speak. You know, there, there'll come another round of that. But right now, we're in harvest mode. Get about harvesting. Galatians three twenty-eight. See, if we will make disciples, win people into the kingdom, and teach them, and do the things that Jesus said, here's what happens. Now, there is no Jew or Greek. There's no slave or free. There's no male or female. Every one of us is one in Christ. We're the same. The same dignity. The same authority. The same Holy Spirit living in us. There's no distinction once we're in the kingdom of God. But we've got to reap people from death into life first. We've got to bring them into the kingdom. And how many times have you or I done that? How many times? We've been talking about that in the Rock Lab, which I'll talk more about later. But look back at John 4 in the next verse, in 28. It says, The woman then left her water pot, went into the city, and said to the men, Come, see a man who told me all things I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. In the meantime, his disciples urged him to eat, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat, which you do not know. Therefore his disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him anything to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Do God's work, finish God's work. That's my food. Do you not say, There are still four months, and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look at the fields, for they're already white for harvest. And he who reaps receives wages and gathers fruit for eternal life, that both he who sows and he who reaps may rejoice together. For in this the saying is true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap for that for which you have not labored. Others have labored. And you have entered into their labors. Jesus said, I sent you to reap. I sent you to reap. Notice he didn't say plant or water. I sent you to reap. You're entering into the labors that other people who have planted seed of the gospel, who have spoken well about me, and people have heard this message. I've sent you to say, hey, are you ready to give your life to the Lord? Are you ready to surrender and to serve him and to live for the lover of your soul. Are you ready to live for Jesus? See, that's the reaping. Are you ready to give your life over to the Lord today and trust Him with every decision, with every circumstance in your life? Are you ready? Because I can help you get there right now. That's harvesting and that's what we're called to. Jesus also said, I have food, right? My food is to do the will and to finish the work that God the Father gave me. Same for us. It's the same for us. And, and look at what he says. They're already white for harvest. I know the word is already, but that kind of leapt out of me. All ready. They're all ready. And so are we all ready to reap? If the harvest field is so white for harvest, so ready to be reaped, are we as reapers ready? When I was youngish, younger, youngish, I had watched a show, uh, you know, about a, a reaper. It was someone who who 
came into this role, you know, have you heard like the Grim Reaper, right? And so not Grim, but just the Reaper, right? And so you, like the Black Hood and the Scythe, right? That big sickle thing. And um, it took her a while to kind of acclimate to this role, but then she started really investing herself in it and seeing the benefit of helping people cross over from death to life, you know, and, and, and from one uh, life experience into the next phase of this life experience because we're all eternal beings. We're going to spend eternity somewhere. And I pray that all of us and everyone you reach spends it in heaven with the Lord and not in hell, in torment, in agony, and separated from the God who loves us and, and made the way for us to get to heaven if we would have only taken it and if we would have only reaped others in there so they didn't have to suffer that. Are you, are you picking up what I'm putting down? This is heavy stuff, but this is the, the call of God. Now we're going to look back in John 4 at verses 39 to 42. John 4, verses 39 to 42. He says, And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with him, and he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe, not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. You know, I don't think the woman cared too much about why they believed if it was based on what she said only, or if she was just the one that got him there, and then they were able to hear it straight from the horse's mouth, so to speak, and then they believed, as long as they believed. Could this be the Christ? Hey, as long as we're all getting it, I don't care. I'm not, she wasn't trying to build her own little kingdom or whatever, right? She was trying to say, if the Christ has come, everyone's got to know about it. Could this be him? Come check it out. Come and see. We've heard that somewhere else. So, where's this new wine? Who are you talking to? Who are you saying, come and see to? Who are you saying, you got to meet this Jesus. He, he's done so much in my life. Who are you testifying to? Who are you simply telling someone what God has done for you? The great things that God has done for you. It doesn't take some professional super Christian. <laughs> you don't have to have a cape or whatever. You, know? you don't have to have a Bible degree. And, and none of that. You just tell people. Tell someone how good God is, and then tell the next someone. Remember a few weeks ago I said, what it takes is loving the next man. You know, love the next man, whoever they are, whether they're like you or not like you, whether they believe this whole pandemic is a hoax or whether they're super conservative or anywhere in between, whether they're protesting, whether they're rioting, all that love the next man. Share the good news of Jesus with that person. Whether they voted for your candidate or not, or where they plan on voting for your candidate, or not. All I know is that I heard Kanye's getting in this thing. I don't know where I'm standing on that whole thing. <laughs> it's just a little bit of fun for me to watch this circus. Anyway, um, Judges, Judges 6, 11 through 16. Let's look at that. In verse 11 it says, Now the angel of the Lord came and sat under the terebinth tree, which was in Ophrah, which belonged to Joash, the Abiezrite, while his son Gideon threshed wheat in the winepress in order to hide it from the Midianites. And the Midianites, of course, were oppressing God's people because they were evil and disobedient and did not uh, get in line with what the Lord was calling them to do. Let that not be our legacy and heritage. Verse 12, And the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, 
The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Oh, come on. Who wouldn't want to hear that from the angel of the Lord, who we actually know is Jesus, right? This pre-incarnate Jesus found a body to put on and came and visited Gideon. Here's the angel of the Lord. He says, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. Gideon said to him, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us, why then has all this happened to us? And where are all his miracles, which our fathers told us about, saying, Oh, the Lord brought us out of Egypt. But now the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go in this might of yours, and you shall save Israel from the hand of the Midianites. Have I not sent you? So he said to him, O my Lord, how can I save Israel? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. And the Lord said to him, Surely I will be with you. And you shall defeat Midianites as one man. All the Midianites as one man. As if they were one dude. You're gonna, it's like taking out one guy. All of them are going to fall from your hand. This is too good. This is too good. But look back at some of these things. Do you feel like the Lord would come to you and say right now, The Lord is with you, you mighty man, mighty woman of valor. Neither did Gideon. So if you're feeling like, no, (laughs) don't worry, neither did Gideon, because look at what he said. He said, how can I save, right? And that may be your question right now. How can I save? How can I reap? How, you know, by pouring this new wine, how am I going to make any difference in anyone's eternity? That's what Gideon was saying, too. How can I save Israel, the weakest and the least? And the Lord still says, I will be with you. And you will do what I've purposed for you to do with success. Amen. Amen. Surely I will be with you. And you shall defeat the Midianites as one man. Don't even worry about their numbers. They're going to drop. They're going to drop before you. So here's Gideon hiding out in this wine press. Don't we find ourselves hiding out sometimes too? Completely unaware of his potential (laughs) and his destiny in the Lord. Again, I think we can see ourselves all over the scripture if we look. Jesus rolls up on Gideon in his hiding spot. He says, someone bring out the good wine. Bring out the good wine. You got this. I'll be with you. You got this mighty man of valor. In Ezekiel 37.10, remember in the valley of dry bones. So I prophesied as he commanded me and breath came into them. And they lived and stood up on their feet an exceedingly great army. I've been prophesying over you the word of the Lord. His his empowerment to behave as this great army that he made you. Where's this army? Where's the new wine? Who are you talking to? During shelter in place, who are you talking to? Who knows that the phones still work? <laughs> you know, who knows that we still have some masks that we can put on, right? And, and uh, speak to someone maybe in the grocery store. Maybe we speak to someone on our block in our neighborhood. In your journals right now, I want you to do something. Would you take out your pen and your journal? If you haven't been feverishly writing already, get something to write with or, or maybe take a note on your phone. And let's do this exercise together. Right now, I want you to write down the names of those people that you are intentionally ministering to. Write them down. Who are the people that I'm intentionally ministering to right now? Also, I want you to do this. 
I want you to write down the names that God is even speaking to you right now that you should be ministering to. No doubt the Lord is speaking and he's brought someone to your mind under the sound of my voice. They say, you know, I really should reach out to so-and-so. Even if you don't know why or what you're going to say, don't worry about it. Jesus says, surely I will be with you. Have I not sent you? You will be successful. Write the name down and then we'll pray and ask God to do something with it later. But write it down because he's speaking and we want to capture it. How easy is it for us to forget? We can be forgetful. Let's not forget the direction of the Lord because we can still be the church even as we're sheltering in place. I've been telling it to you for months. Whoever thought I would say that phrase? Months, right? But however long this thing was ever going to be or is going to be, we are still the church, can still be the church, and the rock will be the church. Amen. Remember, in fact... Put this in quotes, uh, knowing that this is not this didn't start as your phrase, but maybe becomes your phrase. It's my phrase, but write this down. Say, God sent me to disciple every one of these people. And while you're writing, you may just want to even say that out of your mouth. God sent me to disciple every one of these people. It's true. He has. Mark 14, 7, as you're writing that down, and the New International Version says, The poor you will have with you always, and you can help them anytime you want. Deuteronomy 15, 11, and the New Century Version says, and it's that, that passage that Jesus was bringing up when he said those words. It says, So I command you to give freely to your neighbors and to the poor and needy in your land. Give freely to your neighbors. It's a command. And Matthew 10, 7 through 8 says this. Jesus says, As you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Where's your hand? <laughs> Get it out. <laughs> reach for it, right? You don't have to reach very far. It's only this far away. I can't even get any farther away from my hand than that. Silly, I know. But picture it. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's attached to your arm. Your arm's attached to your body. You know, the, the arm bones connect to the shoulder bone, right? It's right there all the time. The kingdom of heaven is only ever this far away. At most, could be this close. Amen. It's attached to your body, which, which holds your real gospel carrier, which is your mouth, getting the good news spoken out of your mouth. Where's this new wine? In word and in deed. We have lips to speak and hands to serve. Where's this new wine? In your mouth and by your hands. Jesus says, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give it away. When God asks you, so where's this new wine that I've been trying to pour into you, making you a new wineskin? Where is it? You'll be able to say, <laughs> it's right here. <laughs> and pouring freely, Lord. Amen. You may be feeling uh, a feeling right now, a, a drive, a compulsion to gather some people even for worship in your home as a sort of church in your house. Uh, at The Rock, they've been calling them house churches. You don't have to call it anything. Just know that I feel like I need to invite someone over or invite myself over to their place and say, hey, why don't we do church together next week? Why don't we do church together? Be a part of this fellowship 
and worship and under the teaching together, kicking it back and forth, iron sharpening iron, just as we're called to be the church. Maybe you'd prayerfully consider starting one of your own and just saying, hey, my house is open. I'm available. In fact, I am, I am the type of person that I need some people around me. I have been withering away. I'm melting, melting. We just showed the kids Wizard of Oz for the first time. So, you know, maybe you're one of those people that's like, I just need some humans around me because I love them. And uh, why don't you talk about, maybe with a spouse or with your family, opening up your home to some people. Maybe you gather some friends from the church. Maybe you gather some people from your neighborhood that you've been wanting to minister to and you'll be missional in that context. Maybe from work, you say, hey, I have a coworker that I really feel a special connection with and I feel like the Lord is speaking to. Whoever it is, gather them. Many in our congregation are already gathering in this way for church. Praise God. Pastor Jennifer and I want to hear from you if that's the sense that you're getting. Every message, when we come to the end, we find a time and make sure that you have a chance to respond to the Holy Spirit. Because this isn't just a nice thing that we do, gather together and say, okay, we checked that. Uh, my old pastor said, I signed the book. I was, I was there, you know, and it, I can prove it. No, no, no. We give our best to God in obedience and saying, I've heard what you're saying, Lord. I'm ready to activate. Move in me. Move through me. Pour this new wine through me. Uh, his Spirit has been speaking to your spirit undoubtedly. Respond to him now in agreement, would you? To bring out this new wine and and start pouring it. Before we pray, though, I feel like it's important at this juncture to call you to obey God's voice and his direction by learning with us at The Rock Lab. We've instituted this thing. It's a practical application of these messages every week. And we're going to meet at 1115 today. And all you have to do at therockhesperia.life is sign up on that service card and just sign up right there and we will send you the link. We have a Zoom call, and we will put this into practice immediately, and you will become one of those who makes a difference in the lives of those around you. You've been called to reap, entering into the labors of others who have diligently planted, diligently watered, and now you are being sent to reap them, to win them into the kingdom, bring them from death into life. I'm going to teach you how to do it precisely today. At 11.15, sign up as soon as the, uh, this service is over. I don't want you to navigate away from it, but uh, sign up as soon as you can. If you've never joined the family of God, you may be wondering, do I do, I do that? Do, what am I even doing? I don't feel like I'm completely understanding all of this. Why don't we fix that right now? I'm, I'm going to reap you into the, into the kingdom right now. This is a harvest time for you. You're saying, yeah, I've never given my life to the Lord. I've never surrendered my preferences or my priorities or my decisions to the one who loved me and died on a cross to save me. Now is your time. And I'd like to lead you, if you'll let me, I'd like to lead you into the family of God. Would you bow your heads and maybe just... Everyone bow your heads and let's just say this all together for the comfort of those who may be around you taking this very powerful step. Can we do it? Let's bow our heads and eliminate distractions and let's say this together. Say, God, I'm sorry for any wrong I've ever done. I choose to learn about and live for Jesus. From now on, I believe you raised Jesus from death to life. 
I ask you to raise me to new spiritual life. And I thank you for welcoming me into your family. Amen. Amen. If you said that prayer earnestly in your heart and believed it, two things. Number one, and most thrilling of all, congratulations. You have crossed over from spiritual death into spiritual life, and now you're part of the kingdom with full rights and authority and blessings and benefits available to you. The same calling and destiny and vision that God has for you. You can enter into all this with all of the rest of us who are entering into it in even greater ways than we ever have before. We're all on the journey together. So congratulations and welcome. You're fully fledged. <laughs> you, are, you are a part of the kingdom of God and the family in the rock that he's knit together. Amen. And this is what I need you to do. Number, secondly, is to tell us about it on your service card. There's a little box that says, I gave my life to God today. Check that box. You prayed that prayer. It counts. And we're going to follow up with you. Congratulations. Now, we all, having heard this message, need to pray and commit ourselves to the Lord so we don't just hear a nice message, get a little more information, and go do nothing with it. (laughs) We need to get about our Father's business. Jesus at 12 knew that that's what it took. Let's do it. Let's pray this together. Father in heaven, I know you see my life. You know my thoughts even right now. And you have rightly asked me, Where is this new wine pouring from me? Who am I talking to? Am I pouring any at all? I want to obey you. I want to honor you. I want you to be pleased with my life. I commit to talk to whoever you tell me to. Just say the word and I'll obey. My life is yours to use for your glory, not my convenience. Rescue people through my story. I'll share it freely. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Congratulations to you too.